With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. That's TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching... FSR. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. The world is agog, considering we are 24 hours removed from this play, which has defined the 2018 NFL season. Tom Moore than an Indianapolis. Busted play here, and then Evans Sanchez gets hit. The ball Ball is is loose, loose. and it's alive. I have never seen this before in my life. Neither have I. Is going to throw Brandon Moore back back into his quarterback. quarterback. He's going to fumble the football. football. This is what Reggie White White used to do to to people: forklift them and just lift them off the ground. Mark Sanchez not expecting it, and it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball out. Yeah. While we while we talk about. Mark Sanchez for a moment. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of bad games yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever seen the level of ineptitude that we saw in that first half uh, by the uh, Washington Redskins. Come on. You watched the Jets in 2011, 2012, and 2013. I've watched them a lot. Come on. 
That game doesn't even. All fall right, to the so top was 10. so was Throwback Day. <laughs> okay, I get it. But the clear play of 2018. Don't you dare play that again. Is this from yesterday? Tom Moore than oh, Indianapolis. Daniel, In- last shot, back to throw. They throw it down. They try to pitch it, and they do to Parker. Parker pitches it, and it's Greg, Greg, 30, 20. Greg Pouch is going to tackle. Oh, no way. way. He no goes way. in the end no What the? The Dolphins win. Unbelievable. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh. 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 That is unbelievable. I don't believe what I just saw. Dude sounded like his dog died at the beginning. That, of that. that was Dan Marino. That was Dan Marino. No, play the beginning there. of that. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Well, Daniel, we're gonna flip it. Last yeah, shot. Great. Back to throw. They right throw it down. Yeah. 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 Is Jeff Just, Fisher on the call? Like he's, put, he's putting his coat on, grabbing his cut, <laughs> grabbing his stuff, putting his bag on, ready to go. Yeah. And I'm then, done with this here thing. It is. It's into the it's into the corner. It's fumbled out. Honey, it's I'm coming home. <laughs> the Miami Miracle. Two bit. We're going to talk about this play How a lot. How did they not tonight. find a better name? First off, well, because it was That's a miracle. Lame. It was in. It Miami. is pretty weak. I mean, Miami miracle, really? You got to have alliteration. Mystics, mystical, something where you can get magic in, because the, the, the then, then you can. Why is he on the field? Well, we'll get to that. We'll forget, get to that. forget about how he looked like Frankenstein. Because we'll people have made fun of him all day. That's not what he should be doing. The man has a limited mobility, and here's the routes he should be running. Playing center field on that play is the dumbest thing there you ever. Go, I feel like the SNL skit when <laughs> Phil Hartman was Frankenstein. Who do I, who do I get to be? <laughs> Two things beginning off this. Number one, I've told you, last year of the Patriots dynasty. You see the cracks. It's just not the same as it's been. The Patriots had the wrong package on the field at the end of the game. They had the Hail Mary package, even though it was too far for them to throw. Tannehill's the got a cannon. Right? No, he doesn't. <laughs> they had the wrong package on the field. That's why Gronkowski was on the field. The players even said after the game, we were set up for a Hail Mary. We shouldn't have had this package on the field. This is sloppy. Like I said, we've seen the cracks. Brady has slipped a little bit. Gronkowski has slipped a lot. Defensively, they have slipped even more than that. There's games where they can get embarrassed. This is just an erosion of the Patriots. They all don't like each other. It's the last year of the Patriots dynasty. I hope everybody is writing a book on this. Somebody is following around going, here's the last year for the Patriots dynasty. Now you got a great, great chapter, the Miami Miracle, that can take up, you know, 30 pages in the book. Oh, I got to read all about the Miami Miracle and everything. what happens after. You have a, It's a ready-made book, patent pending. If you write that book and you're starting it right now, I get 3%. Of all your sales just in Boston, right? Not nationwide. You were sitting there writing it. You were writing that last night, Just you? in Boston. It was yeah, a blustery I- day <laughs> yeah, in Quimby. Boston, but down in Miami, <laughs> the weather was perfect. You know, but here's why this play happened, and I've heard a lot of different reasonings today. Obviously, they had the wrong package on the field, which is the one everybody is defaulting to. Why is Rob Gronkowski on the field? I understand Can you say that. personnel instead of package? Uh, pa- no, right package. I like oh, having yeah. the right package on. Okay. Because some of the... Per- because uh-huh. <laughs> especially since some of the some of the same players are going to be in the in what was going to be the the more of the prevent lateral type package that they would have out there. Some of the same players would be out sure. there. So that's why I said you know the right package. So yeah, I I understand that part of it. But you know what I watched watching seeing the Patriots defenders. I saw a lot of guys that wanted to be the hero that wanted to be the one with the football at the end of the game. 
the the first pass, all right, Jonathan Jones tries to be the hero. Had he come up and made the tackle on Parker, that's it. But he comes up because he sees where Tannehill's throwing the football, and he tries to go to the side of him like, I'm going to jump in front and get the football and pick it off. Instead of saying, I'm going to be right on him, he catches it, and I'm tackling him. Because realize, this is how games end and plays end in the NFL. You have to tackle the guy with the football. And he decided to be a hero and go for the interception. He wasn't close to it. But he thought he was because you see him, he runs to the left side where I can jump in front. But he didn't have enough. Tannehill got the ball out there fast, so Parker's allowed to catch it and run with it. So that's the first mistake that was made. The second mistake was when it was running down the sideline and J.C. Jackson stops looking to be the hero, and he, he kind of stops looking for the pitch that Kenyon Drake is supposed to make. Like he's chasing him from behind, and then when Drake kind of stops to turn back, you see Jackson stop and jump up in the air a little bit like he's expecting Drake to pitch the ball behind him, and he's not, and he's going forward. Why? Because Jackson wanted to be a hero and be the one to recover the fumble so I could hold it up at the end of the game, and the hero shot is on me, and this is what I did. And all the Dolphins kept doing was getting down the field. Two players right there. Had they not tried to be heroes, they would have made the play. Because you know what? Who's the guy that was so close and dove at him at the end and just missed him by a couple of yards? It was Jackson. Had Jackson kept going on the play, he would have gotten to Kenyon Drake and would have tapped. But he's still, I'm stopping and I'm jumping in the air for some unknown reason because I think the ball's going to go behind me. It was two guys trying to be heroes. And sometimes it's that much that stops the play. And the thing about Gronk, I get that Gronkowski shouldn't have been out there and I get that he looked like Frankenstein. But you know what? If he doesn't slip, he makes the tackle. He slips and falls. That could have been anybody that slipped, but he sure. slipped. He It's not like, oh, Gronk has a bad angle. No, Gronk slipped and fell. If he didn't slip, he would have been able to get Drake and push him out of bounds. So that's really what it was. It's not like Gronk was you know, shaken out of his shoes. He just slipped right. and fell. No, and so he's that's the guy, why the play but he's, happened. He's the man of ridicule in all this. Forget about the miscues. Forget about the, the general ineptitude of the, the first first yardage game. It was just a bad optic to right. see at the end. Is Gronk. Oh, it's Gronk. Right. Oh, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, unfortunately. So that becomes part of the legacy. But Miami succeed and keeps uh, New England from running the table mm. in the AFC East. Last year of the Patriots dynasty. You. Write that book. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The big fallout from last night. The Bears beat the Rams 15-6. to The Bears. man on my left is very the excited. Bears. Oh, it was and a big I, Sunday buddy, for Army. I told you on Friday you were going to win this game. I told you the Bears were going to win and everybody would spend all day Monday with every story being, oh, now it's time to take the Bears seriously uh, for uh, being a big contender to win and get to the Super Bowl. And now what are we doing right now? Are the Bears for real? Everybody, I told you they were going to, buddy, you were nervous for no reason. I told you they were going to win. It was that game. It was a night game, Soldier Field, where it was incredibly cold, and the Rams had nothing going on. It was in the Bears' element. They were going to win this game, and the Bears won. It happened. I told you Friday. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. That's all right. You know, the blueprint we laid out all those months ago when we were talking about how this team was built before Khalil Mack showed up, right? Everybody jumped on board a little bit. Said, ah, oh, Fangio's got these guys and, and Khalil Mack. It's like, no, they, he had a good defense before that. But they also have taken some time off. We watched that Giants game a week ago. You know, whether it was a look ahead and, and they got caught caught looking at uh, Sean McVay tape Absolutely or whatever. Absolutely, they would. That well, was you, look at, you look at the way the, the defensive effort 
yesterday, and Jared Goff looked uncomfortable from the moment he took the field uh, going on the way through. AM570 LA Sports, our flagship here in Los Angeles, Eric Dickerson and company. Eric went straight to it. He goes, you know, that looked like an offense the old coach would have run. <laughs> he goes, I'll name him Jeff Fisher, uh, who we helped Eric Dickerson uh, in the well effort to get fired. You're welcome, uh, Rams fans, uh, all those months ago. But you look at nothing doing on the ground. Todd Gurley, invisible, no plays downfield. And, and that's where you've been able to exploit this Bears defense. Problem is, he heard footsteps all night, much like Kirk Cousins before the current drive that we're watching here, where you're getting rid of the ball a beat too early and, and just looking behind you as if they get to play a 12-man who charges you from the backside immediately. It was it was interesting to watch, right, for an offense uh-huh. that had been so explosive over the course of this season uh, to, to, be, uh, to turtle as they did and for McVeigh to be outdone by Nagy in the trick department as well uh, really just told the tale of the tape. Look, the Bears, things are great. They win. They prove they're good. The bad news is they're going to have to go on the road eventually right. in the playoffs and win where they're clearly not the same team, not even close to being the same team. But right now, the Bears are feeling really good. And I told you that we said the Bears were good. Even a horrible day from Trubisky, and they still won the game in a dominant fashion. Things are good. Well, when you throw an interception and then Goff gives it right back to right, you. Right, exactly. Hey, right. we're going to get another hey, one. You okay. get that one, you get this one back. It's like you're, they, were, they might as well put the I, two of them out there to play catch. I read today Trubisky has 14 turn. I think Steve Weish, NFL Network, tweeted this out, that it was Trubisky's got 14 picks this year, and – the opposition has turned that into a total of 28 points. Yeah, I mean, that's insane how well the defense has played to back stuff up like that. Oh, and Pixel, 28 points. You're talking four scores off of 14 interceptions? That's pretty bleeping good. You want to know why they're winning games? That's why it is. But look, he's really good. He's been good. He had a bad game here. Trubisky, they've moved the offense. I love all the chicanery on the goal line, which has pretty much become a Matt Nagy uh, hallmark right now. Right. Well, and, and you also look at the fact that they ran the ball effectively. Mm-hmm. Jordan Howard going 19 carries, 101 yards, as we laid it out Friday. That was the blueprint. He had to be up near the century mark if they were going to win this game. But now for the Chiefs and the Rams, think about this. Since 54-51, both of those teams have struggled. The Chiefs have struggled in wins. The Rams have struggled in a win and a loss. They didn't look great against the Lions, and of course they lose yesterday to the Bears. Right. You saw the Chiefs are able to just get out barely in their last two games. They have to survive uh, the Ravens yesterday, late, and Lamar Jackson and get turned. And the Raiders a week ago. Yeah. It was very. It's been, it's been very difficult for both of these teams. Why are they both struggling? For both teams, I think it's different reasons. For the Rams, well, obviously, when you play the midseason Super Bowl, there's going to be some kind of bounce. You're going to get a bounce coming off that game where both teams play pretty perfectly offensively. And and that's part of it is both teams just getting a natural bounce. You're in the doldrums midway to two-thirds part of the season. The Rams just look for me a team like they're ready for the playoffs now. They're they're done with the regular season. They haven't been as sharp. They have not executed as well. They look like they're ready for the playoffs. The Chiefs, it looks like teams are catching up to them. You know, watching the Ravens, not every team can do this, but – when they make Patrick Mahomes try to throw the ball early, that's what you want to do to a young quarterback who's not sure what he sees and is not sure where he can go with the football. You give Mahomes time, he can throw and use that hose to go downfield. You saw the best things he did 
which was on display yesterday when he was able to make make time and throw that ball to Tyree Kill late. Yep. A couple of other plays he made when he can keep that play alive. But if you can get after him and make him throw the football before he wants to, as you said, a beat too early, that's going to slow down the Chiefs off, and especially now they don't have Kareem Hunt to bail them out. I'm worried more about the Chiefs than I am about the Rams because I, I think we've seen something to slow the Chiefs down more than the Rams have just, okay, the, you know, they won that big game and, yeah, they, they win by two touchdowns in Detroit. They lose in Chicago here. I'm worried more about the Chiefs than about the Rams. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. But there are certain days I'm much more glad than others. Kirk Cousins decided, eh, let's just get a money offer from the Jets and then tell them to beat it and then just get the Vikings to come up because that's where I really want to go. It was a good I'll strategy. Just use the Jets as leverage. Uh, I was a good. You you always say you strategy. can't fall. Yes. Good strategy, and now you're taking a, a baseball strategy. bat. No, 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 no. I no. This is for me. I am saying there's certain days I am much more glad than others that Kirk Cousins decided to just use the Jets for leverage and sign with the Vikings than where we are right now. He is about to drop to four and twenty-four against teams over five hundred in his NFL career. Four and twenty-four, Kirk Cousins. Zero points on the board tonight. Vikings about to fall to 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. And this is going to be a hellish night for Kirk Cousins on social media, on radio shows, oh, yeah. everywhere he goes. No question. You like that. Uh, I saw this stat a little bit earlier. Uh, coming into tonight, Kirk Cousins was 0-6 on Monday Night Football. 0-7. The only other two quarterbacks to start their careers, 0-6 on Monday Night Football. To start their careers 0-6 on Monday Night Football. Mark Sanchez? No. No? Joe Namath. Uh, Joe Namath and Archie Manning, the Joe only Namath. other two to get to 0-6. Oh. So uh, Kirk gets to 0-7. Hey, Kirk. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks for that. Very nice. Hey, Very you good. know what? You, you take all the records you can. You raise your hand and say, I'm, my bad. <laughs> really? With $90 million? Yeah, no, I'm all good. Yeah, my bad. No, it's either no, that I'm or good. they say, you see this? The Filippo guy, he's already one foot out the door. Don't go blaming me. You saw the the plays he he put in; they sucked. We had no answer for this defense. I blame him. Look, I I'm not Captain Checkdown. <laughs> How dare you call me Captain Checkdown? It's not that Kirk Cousins is having a horrible season. He kind of is. He's having no. Look, no. He's still. He's that still was a hell a of a pretty, play here. He's yeah, got a pretty high quarterback he's rating. Trash. I don't care about but the, the quarter, but the quarterback rating is overrated. The bottom line is this, is that Kirk Cousins has still not proven he can lift a team to heights. And what have you seen this year? What was the only thing the Vikings were lacking last year? Well, quarterback play. Well, Case Keenum played out of his mind, but clearly Case Keenum was a one-year wonder, and Kirk Cousins was going to be the guy that was the missing piece for the Minnesota Vikings because they had Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. They had offense. Dalvin Cook was coming back. They had a great defense. They needed a quarterback that could make a few more plays, and that was going to be Kirk Cousins. And what have we seen so far? They've beaten the bad teams, and they don't beat the good teams, and that's really what Kirk Cousins is. He's not somebody that has come from behind wins. He's not someone that has a big track record of of, of gutting it up and playing big in big games. He's a guy that moves you up and down the field and puts up stats. He's almost like wow, I, I, he's almost like a, a poor man's Andrew Luck is where he's not even as good as Andrew Luck, who is, is tremendously overrated. But uh, he's still, he's almost like Andrew Luck, but he's just like a bit below. He's a garbage man, right? 
I don't know. It, that, no, I don't know. That he's a garbage man. I, he's more of he's more of a guy that that will give you big games against teams when they're bad, but against good teams. He's not going to lift you and, and win a big shoot. Tell, tell me the last time Kirk Cousins, you could say, boy, he won. That was such a huge game. Kirk Cousins. Well, but this is it. They lost the shootout to a victory. Yeah, team. I mean, they lost the, sh- the shootout here against the Rams, 38 31. He had 422 and three touchdowns. Quarterback rating of 117, right? 36 of 50. You had the narrow win over the Eagles. At that point, everybody was leaving the Eagles for dead. They resurrected for a couple of weeks, and now they, uh, they look like the toe tags coming back on here in short order. Uh, you go da- all the way down. I mean, you had the first s- eight games of the year is QBR, if you want to go down that metrics, was was never above 75. And the closest he got there was a 30-20 loss to the Saints. So you're talking about some statistical uh, mad- di- wizardry, I guess, when you get into the, the quarterback rating because you can complete passes, right? It's like celebrating Aaron Rodgers streak without interceptions. That's great, right? You, you probably had a couple that you got lucky on. Certainly, you know, we know of one back in week one with Kyle Fuller of the Bears. But does that also mean you're not taking chances? Does that also mean you're not pushing downfield often enough? There's a lot of different ways this stuff plays out. And for Kirk Cousins, I, I think that's a nice stat to go to. But has he really lifted them with all of that talent? No. No, he hasn't. <laughs> no, look, who, who are the best teams they played this year? They played New England. They lost 24-10. Kirk Cousins was bad, right? They played the Bears. What happened? They lost 25-20. He threw two picks, right? They played New Orleans. He lost 30-20 to and threw a big pick. They, they played the Rams. They lost 38-31. He played well in the game. I'm not saying he didn't, but they didn't win the game. He doesn't win big games. He doesn't. He's not a core. They, the Vikings got him. As the missing piece, and it was we're going to go fourteen and two this year because we're going to get quarterback play out the wazoo. We have such a good offense, and you have put this guy in this spot where he had nothing but success. Right, there was no way you looked and saying this is going to fail because you could say he's overpaid, but you are taking a guy that clearly has talent, and you're putting on a team where he doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers. He didn't need to be Tom Brady. He just needs to be a guy that hey. Do your natural thing. Make the plays you would normally make. We got look. We got Thielen to make plays, and 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 we have Diggs, and we got running backs to get the ball to. You got Rudolph, a big tight end. We got a good offensive line. We got a great defense going to get you the ball back. Just be, just be you. And still, they're not winning. They're not winning big games. This is when they play a team that's not good. They win, right? They beat Green Bay. They beat Detroit. They beat the Jets. They beat Arizona. Philadelphia six and seven. They beat them. They tied Green Bay. They beat San Francisco. All the teams that are good. They've lost to right. That's that's who Kirk Cousins is. He's well, but not that was but that was a team. reputation in in Washington, and I don't know if Jay Gruden is on Twitter, but I'd love to see it because you know he's going to throw his daggers at the quarterback play of Kirk Cousins because you know he's the guy that he let go and and did everything he could at the start of the season to say, hey, look, that guy, you know, we we had a lot of problems with that quarterback there, and certainly for Minnesota right now, he's not a guy lifting them. It's not. This is a big spot. Still in the playoff contention. We're talking five and six seed. Uh, and for Minnesota, they're flat. They finally score a touchdown here. He's going to get credit. So fantasy owners that took had the guts to start him, they got their touchdown late. Uh, a dump off to Dalvin Cook, who finishes the night with 83 total yards and, and a touchdown. Solid night for him. Five receptions, 28 yards to go with that 55 yards rushing. But for Kirk Cousins, uh, this is an abject failure, failure on his part. 
They 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 had opportunities and he was late on throws. He had Rudolph a possession a couple possessions ago. It was too late. Ball gets tipped away on this drive. They end up getting the cook touchdown, but he had Stephon Diggs open as well. But again, too late. And you saw the Trey Flowers come over and make a great play getting his hand in there. So timing was off and just a, another example of the 12s and everything getting up in Seattle taking care of home field. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins, very upset at the fact that the NFL completely blew a fumble call the beginning of the Eagles-Cowboys games, could have tilted the game. Cowboys wound up winning in overtime. Mike Pereira said disagreed, can't believe that a fumble on the kickoff wasn't ruled a recovery by the Eagles. And Malcolm Jenkins had this bit of advice for referees in the booth watching replays making these decisions. Stay off the (laughs) weed! He actually said, (laughs) stay off the bottle. And then Mike Pereira told us a story a few minutes ago about how when he was happened to be in the league offices, not doing anything official late at night, if the game went past 8 o'clock, he had a bottle in his desk. So, okay. But is it more important to stay off the weed or to stay off the bottle? That was a pretty terrible call, to be honest. They reviewed it, and the explanation I got was that it wasn't a clear recovery, although Kamu had the ball in his hand, and it was only... You know, Eagles defenders on the ball in the replay. Um, so whoever's watching that in New York uh, should stay off the bottle. <laughs> stay <laughs> off the bottle! <laughs> what's, what's funny is we're using that soundbite when the meme that's going around right now related to this football game, which we'll update here momentarily, is of Stephen A. Smith falling asleep while being on a broadcast yeah. team. <laughs> So it was all related to this game going, ah, look how boring this is. And then you've got them all jacked up yelling, lay off the weed! Well, what's, what's, what would get you a better officiated game? A, a referee on the bottle or a referee on weed? On weed, because he'd be relaxed. No, but here's the thing. No, because if he's on the no. bottle now, he, you get a referee on oh, the how, bottle. How does he respond to the he's bottle? We need wa- to go no, to no, the psychological he's gonna, profile. He's, he, well, look, if he's one of those people that drinks a lot and then gets really aggressive you don't want that because flags are going to be flying he could be one of those happy drunks so it's just, i'm just start laughing at everything so you're not going to get a well-officiated game <laughs> but if you get an official who's on weed he's never going to make it out of the locker room so you get you get a replacement official who is sober and ready to go and will go and give you a good officiated game so i think it's more important to stay off the bottle than to stay off the stay off the weed Well, the two parts off of the duh, duh, duh is either the paranoia of the weed sets in. Yeah, true. Or he's chill. looking at me. So it it never escalates, right? You never think the official's trying to be part of the game and making it about himself because he's going to be mellow. Can you imagine what a a, a penalty call would look like? And let's go to Jason Smith in front for the... uh, We have holding, which really wasn't a hold. It was more of a grab and... You know, you know, J.R. Sweezy's hand is really big. Like, like he's got this like big long thumb that is like as long. It's like you ever look at your thumb and just realize 
Your thumb is, it, it kind of looks like a little face, and you could, you, what's <laughs> the point of thumbs? They say it's opposable, right? It just, like, keeps us from the other animals, like apes and stuff, but I can still pick up stuff with my, just my fingers. I think I'd be really, really able, we're not all that different. I mean, just, I think that'd be just awesome. Yeah, you're just filibustering. Oh, uh, first down. What did I call? Yeah, first down. <laughs> Nicely first down. done. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Former VP of officiating for the National Football League, Mike Pereira. And Mike, really, there's only one way to start here. Coming off a controversial fumble call in the Eagles-Cowboys game last night, Malcolm Jenkins said after referees need to stay off the bottle. So... Your analysis, as Mike Pereira probably has a glass of wine in his hand right now, as we're going to break this down. What's happening? Well, you know, the, the, that comment really hit home because back in my day, okay, listen, it was my day, so I wasn't making any replay decisions, but I was always there for the game. I had the old 8 o'clock rule, you know, and the 8 o'clock rule is if you had a game go past 8 o'clock, that included Monday night, Sunday night, we opened up my drawer and we had a little stash in there. <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd pop a bottle, you know, but nowadays it's different because you have to be involved in the decision-making process. But, yeah, kind of a harsh thing to uh, say, but I can understand the frustration, that's for sure. <laughs> so how do you make of a call like that when they say, oh, all right, we couldn't tell who recovered the football when it's all Eagles on the pile and the <laughs> Eagles walk out with it? Well, I mean, I, I, listen, I do think that there was a couple of Dallas players that were just right to the side reaching in, one dove in on top. And, you know, and I, I actually didn't disagree with that decision um, because you, you want to get a look to see who has the ball first before it goes into that. That's the scrum. That's the rule. It's not who comes out with it. It's who gets it first before it gets into the scrum. And there was nothing clear to say that. If anything was close to being clear, it was that, you know, there were more Eagle players in the pile and Dallas was a little bit off to the side. But, you know, I mean, listen, back to the initial rule, it's a fumble. I mean, if it's a fumble and it's ruled what it should have been ruled, then we wouldn't have be having this discussion. And that's a, that's the shame of it because, you know, replay can change it to a fumble, but can't change it to give the ball to the recovering player unless it's absolutely clear. And, and, you know, Dean Blantino says if, you know, looking at the live shot, if he was making the decisions, he thought that he would give it to uh, the Eagles. I look at it again. I, you know, I was there and then I certainly looked at it a few times, but came back and got home late last night and looked at it again. And I'm just not certain. So either way, it was not, a, it was not a good call either way. Mike, also in that game, we had the first penalty for lowering the helmet by an offensive player. Ezekiel Elliott also had uh, an injury to him as he went through that that process. Why do you think there that it took till week fourteen before we saw it called on that side of the ball? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think they you know they have been very inconsistent in making this call. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. You know, we've seen the tackler or the you know, or the offensive player assume that position that you're talking about where you lower your head and you make that contact with the crown of your helmet. And, you know, obviously it was called in the first two weeks of the preseason and then they, and then they laid off. But the fact is it was, it's, it's hard to officiate who initiates it. Both lower their head. Um, I, I really am at the point now where I think the competition committee needs to look at this. And if you're truly concerned with the, 
player safety and hits to the head or neck area, I think you have to put it into the hands of replay like college does. I don't agree with the targeting rule from the standpoint that's the one in college where an automatic ejection goes with the foul. I don't agree with that at all, especially on the, in the NFL level. But if you have flagrant ones that don't get called, whether it's offense or defense, if we're talking player safety here, then I think replay needs to get involved any time during the game, not just the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the of the fourth quarter, but you know, any time during the game to eliminate some of these, you know, big hits that aren't getting called, and and we're certainly seeing a lot more of those than we are the the calls that are actually being made. Former VP of officiating in the NFL, current rules analyst at Fox Sports, Mike Pereira with us here. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. All right, let's get away from this for a second because I want it. Because this is what I really thought when I saw this play yesterday. I knew I was going to get to talk to you tonight. How hard is it to officiate a final play like the Miami Miracle when there's all <laughs> kinds of laterals and people are all over the place? From your perspective, it's chaos for us watching. It's chaos on the field. I can't imagine what it's like for you to try to keep track of that. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, of course, was in Dallas yesterday for the Eagles game, but I got on the airplane to come back to Sacramento last night, and who was on the plane but the referee of that game, and uh, <laughs> and who was literally sitting right next to me was the referee in that game, and I, Pete Morelli, and I said, Pete, you know, what, what went through your mind as that happened? And he said, well, really what went through my my mind is, I'm glad it happened a long ways away from me, and I didn't have to make any decisions. Um, he said, but but they, they actually did have a quick actual signal that they gave to each other, knowing that they were either going to get a Hail Mary or something like this, that the, the first concern that they relay to each other, and, you know, they have communication system to each other now. It's called a O2O and uh, official to official, and they remind each other on these plays, First thing we got to watch for, forward or backward, and that's the that's the key in those. And um, and you know when you look at the play, certainly the two passes were indeed backwards. But it is it is chaos. Any play at the end of the game is uh, is is pretty much chaos. But uh, you hope there's nothing close, um, quite frankly. And really, there wasn't there. But it is um, it is it is. It's pretty interesting when it goes like that and you've got multiple passes that are backward that you got to make sure they're not forward. But luckily, they got it right. Probably a deep breath and a prayer that uh, it goes without controversy so your name's and not exactly dragged through. Right. And, <laughs> and you're talking about a referee who was the principal of a Catholic high school in, uh, in Stockton, <laughs> California. So I'm sure the rosary beads were clinking, you know, in the, in the pocket. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Pereira. That is at Mike Pereira. Mike, as always, appreciate your time. And, hey, it's almost past 8 o'clock. You'll be good to go in about 20 minutes. Thank you. I'll be ready. (laughs) You're the best, Mike. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.